Welcome to Teen Wealth Radio, a show just for teens, their parents, and educators to come together and discuss the issues that are affecting our youth today. Your host is Brandy England. Brandy is joined each week by amazing guests, as well as a regular panel of co-hosts who are here to give you ideas and encouragement every step of the way. We also have plenty of other surprises on today's show. So let's get started. Here's your host, Brandy England. Hey everybody, welcome back to Team Wealth Radio. I'm excited to have you on this week because we have a guest that I literally can't even describe how many things she has done in her life. She has done everything from managing, consulting, being an artist, an actress, like literally the woman has done everything and overcome some obstacles to get there and I'm just so excited to have her on. So please welcome to the show Namakula out of New York. Hello everyone. Hi Brandy. Hi, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I just like, I literally, you have such a great bio. There's so many things and I've included all the links in the bio that'll be down below this on, on where it's recorded and everything for people to follow up on. But can you just tell everyone a little bit about kind of who you are? You're such a passionate person. Can you just give them kind of an overview of, of what encompasses Namakula? <laughs> I will try to do that. Um, yes. Hi, um, I'm Namakula. I am a, a, a multimedia artist um, out of New York city and um Basically, I my background is I in, in the arts anyway. I'm a established video editor. Um, I started out in the commercial industry, editing commercials and moving on to short films and new segments and um, web series and different things like that. I've done art pieces um, for the MoMA and I've had work for different networks. I also work as an actor, voiceover talent. So do a lot of TV commercials, voiceover work. Um, uh, plays. I did stand-up comedy for two years, um, also doing web series, films, and I also produce and I love collaborating with other artists. So whether it be my own projects, I wrote and directed and produced my own web series. And then I also worked with other people on their projects. I produced a one-woman show, a theater piece, um, produced a photo exhibition that was in a gallery this past um, fall, uh, produced a short film right now that's going through the film festival circuit. And I just I'm really passionate about just creating overall, creating and also just working with other people and helping them in their journeys as well, because I feel as though it's not just about one person, it's about everybody. And my my adage that I go by a lot is it takes a village, no one does it alone. And I think that really building those alliances and finding your tribe and really just having fun and, and creating together is really rewarding for me. So through all of that, I then started, I was always doing this all along anyway, which was working with other artists and other people and even just um, whether it be giving them advice because of my sort of well-rounded background in working in production and post-production and business and advertising, I was always getting people coming to me either for advice or referrals or, you know, so I started to become this sort of head under slash therapist slash, um, you know, mom slash, you know, um, consultant. And a few years ago, I realized, well, I've been doing this for so many years um, anyway. And a lot of businesses are being created based on these different services that I was offering. So a few years ago, I started my own consulting management company called Agent 99 Reps. And it's very boutique. I don't take on a lot of clients. I take on only people that um, I believe that I can work with and I can help them. And also people that I also believe in because I have to be passionate about something in order to go out there and work with them and sell them and then also consult with them on their careers and their businesses. And I only work with, you know, uh, basically people who are of good character. I know that there's a lot of 
emphasis on you know turning a profit and making money but ultimately i you know i uh, my my morals um, on their own, I need to be around kind, ethical people. So those are criteria of me taking on clients. So right now I'm working with a cinematographer, helping to build her network, connecting her with directors and production companies so she can get more work. Um, working with a photography collective out of Nairobi, Kenya. Um, working on, again, getting their work seen by ad agencies to get print campaigns and um, also organizing, possibly doing a, an exhibition for them in the fall. And I'm also talking, I also do, you know, one-on-one consulting. So people come to me for different things, whether it be improving their brands or if they're an actor, they're looking to um, get some guidance in as far as what classes they should take, um, who they should study with, um, packaging, headshots, that kind of thing. I have a production company that I'm working with. With They came from a film and TV background and they didn't have a lot oh. of advertising contacts. So um, I was uh, connecting them with ad agencies. So my work encompasses a lot of of my general experience and my, my networking ability and the connects that I have already to, to help other people with their careers. And that's something I really enjoy doing in addition to building my own career, my own work. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, that was uh, not too heady. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> we'll break it down for the rest of the show. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have an hour, right? So, okay. Oh, we do. <laughs> so, to, to to do all of these things simultaneously, it's, I mean, you must have a ton of energy. Do you get that energy just from your passion or did it come from another place? Um, you know what? Um, see, now it's going to get a little spiritual. I feel like, um, I have no proof of this definitely, but I definitely feel like you know, I believe in these um, parallel lives that are happening in these other planes. And on some level, I feel like in some way I've been able to harness these other lives that I'm living on these other planes in this one. And it may sound like I'm doing everything at once, but all these things that I've, I, where I am right now have been, some of them have been simultaneously and some, some have bled into each other. So for example, um, well, let me go back. When I was a little kid, I was very, I was very, um, I was energetic, but also very creative. And, you know, when you're a kid, typically, unless you're very open, you don't really have a lot of limits. You just try everything usually, you know. I mean, that's usually the way kids are until they get tainted by adults. But um, so I remember as a kid, I would say to people, I'm going to be a writer, actor, guitarist. And that was, that was like what I would say. And I was doing these different things. I was like into comic books, so I'd read a lot of comic books. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll be an illustrator, but I wasn't really good enough to be a comic book illustrator, but I was drawing anyway, and I was writing these little comic books that I created. Um, and then I was, you know, you know, writing my original stuff. And then I got involved. I started taking guitar lessons because I was really into music. And um, I, was, uh, I watched a lot of these really like virtuoso guitarists like Prince and Eddie Van Halen and Charlie Sexton and all these people, which I think the younger people are going to have to Google who those people are. But um, they were these amazing shredders. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to start taking guitar lessons. So I took guitar lessons and I would play guitar and I had these like fantasies of being on stage and doing that whole thing. And then while that was happening, I, got, I was, you know, always very creative, and very funny. And so I started doing, um, you know, taking some uh, uh, theater class and then doing plays. And so I was always kind of cultivating these things really just out of excitement and curiosity. And, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you're not worried about paying more mortgage or rent. So you really have the, the freedom and the openness that you'll just do stuff and figure things out so I might luckily my parents were very open about that and neither of my parents are artists um actually um they're both they're where are actually I'm the first we're the first generation kids born in the state so my father's from Uganda my mother's from Jamaica and I grew up in that household 
but then also when you leave the household, you're in an American culture. So I was kind of dealing with these different cultures that I was growing up in. And, you know, both of my parents' cultures is very rooted in old school values, respect for your elders, education. Um, but they were very open, like they were very trusting. And you know, as long as you did well in school and behaved, they would give you freedoms. So they were very open about, you know, paying for the guitar lessons, driving me to the rehearsals. You know, if I was going to go out to see a band at nighttime with a friend, as long as I called, you know, they trusted me. And it was never really that I was a kid that w- had really strict parents because they allowed us to be who we are. And as long as we earned their we earned their 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 trust and we didn't have any issues so i had a very kind of free flowing childhood so i was able luckily able to ex- play around and experiment in these different areas so when it came came time to go to college um it just seemed like it made sense to study acting so i i uh, went to strasburg at nyu and while i was there it it was interesting because because of the type of person i was i never really identified myself as like an actor. I, I felt like, yeah, like acting, but I do these other things. So when I got to that college experience and also growing up, I was used to being around people of different age ranges. Cause I was always, I was always attracted to people based on like their character. And so I was never one that just had friends that were always my peer group. I think that also makes you more well-rounded because you, you get different perspectives and you talk to different people from different backgrounds and different age ranges and you learn things and they can share things. So I was kind of frustrated with everybody being 18 years old when I got there. And then also the typical 18 year old at that time, they were, there wasn't really that well-rounded experience that I had from just before I got there. And then also I didn't really like, um, a lot of the actors were very self-absorbed. So I, for many years, because of that, I, I had this kind of thing where I didn't want to say I was an actor because I didn't like really their kind of reputation of being kind of narcissistic. So um, I'm just laying that down as a foundation because I think that's part of also why I was very open to other things because I was always you know, writing and directing and doing that kind of stuff. So um, while I was in school, I also um, worked in a hotel. I worked at a, a boutique hotel Paramount Hotel in in, uh, Manhattan, and that was owned by Ian Schrager, who was like the pioneer of those really boutique hotels that now is all the rage. So I was actually a concierge there, and it was a hotel where you had these celebrities coming in there, and you had people working who were artists, working in advertising, really rich people, and they're all, a lot of them were friends of his, so you had people like Jeremy Irons and Sean Penn and all these people coming there, and you kind of got an education there about how to deal with these people who, some of them were really nice, some of them were real jerks, some of them freaked out, some of them were doing things that they weren't supposed to be doing, and then expecting us to hide it from their wives, so it was very interesting. Um, and while I was in that experience, I was looking for an internship for the summer, Um And I was looking for something in production and film, you know, something like that. And I couldn't really find anything. And there, you know, the director, Jim Jarmusch, I started like sending him um, the messages, like drawing a comic book character of me being his intern and sending it to him. And in the meantime, I still couldn't find anything. And I mentioned that for a reason, because literally uh, a few weeks after I started sending him that stuff, I ran into him at a concert um, downtown in, in New York and I was like oh my god I've been sending you these comic characters about me interning for you he's like yeah I've been getting them he's like keep sending them I'm, I'm working on a project but it's not gonna be in this country but keep sending them so in the meantime a woman that I worked with um, she said no, you know I have a friend that owns an editing house in Soho and they edit commercials and I had never and at the time I'd been doing editing projects and things like that and I enjoyed it and you know editing is you know at the best directors are originally editors because you're it's pure storytelling you're dealing with every aspect you're dealing with um, casting you're dealing with you know pacing storytelling music um, 
you know, pro- you know, uh, production, you know, so there's all these aspects to being an editor that you have to think about when you're, we get all the material. So, um, but I never thought about people editing commercials as, as a profession. I thought about it with, you know, TV shows and films, but I never really thought about that world. So I ended up interning at this, um, editing house and it was a great experience. I mean, and, um, I kept in touch with everybody there. So when I was done with school, there was an opening for an apprentice editor. And by that time, I had already worked in the service industry for like three or four years. I'd worked at the hotel. I'd worked in restaurants. I even worked in a nightclub for um, three nights and I couldn't take it. Uh, So I had said to myself a while back, when I'm done, um, I want to be working in a place where I'm learning something. I don't want to be back in being a a waiter who's, you know, who's an actor. So this opportunity came up and um, I started there as an apprentice editor. But when you're doing that kind of work, you can't really act because you can't just pick up and leave for an audition. Like when you're there, you have, um, you have clients coming in, you've got deadlines, you might be there till two in the morning. You know, sometimes I was there till five in the morning for doing a new business pitch for an agency. So I would resign myself like, okay, I studied acting, but this is something that I'm enjoying doing. I think that I'm learning a lot, so I'm going to set that aside for now. So while I was there, I still found ways to be creative. So, for example, when we'd be loading dailies for the editors, um, what I would do is I'd load the dailies, and then I would stay after hours, and I'd recut using the footage, I recut them and make them into these parody commercials, kind of like what you'd see on SNL when they do those fake commercials, which I don't really know if they do that so much nowadays. Now they, but um, so I would take the dailies from these real commercials, you know, million dollar projects, and I would add a different voiceover to stuff, different soundtracks, and I'd make them these dark comedy pieces, and I. You know, that was just something that I enjoyed doing and it was creative. And from there, it was, I started unknowingly like building a comedy reel in that respect. And while I was there, I also would really pay attention to um, what my, not only what the editor was doing, who I was assisting, but also when agency people would come in, I would talk to the producer and ask them about their jobs and what they did and what made them pick this editor and how that shoot went. So I was learning all these different aspects of, um, you know, the industry from being in the mix and for asking questions and being curious and just also taking initiative, learning things on my own as well. So um, when I was there, um, there was a, you know, a British editor that had come to town from London and he'd rented the space to work on a job and he and I hit it off and we kept in touch. Um, I left that editing house. I went to a different one. I was at the second one for two years. Then the same British editor who I kept in touch with. At one point I'd gone to London and I'd hung out with him, visited him and stuff. And I'd been telling him, you need to open a place in New York City. And um, so a couple years later, he contacted me and said, hey, I wanted to open this editing house in New York and I want you to help me. So I quit the job that I had where I was at the other place. And I left to embark on starting this British company opening up in New York City. Um, and that was something that uh, from the ground up, like literally we didn't even have a space. We rented a space. It was myself and the EP, who was a woman who used to run J. Walter Thompson Agency, she was head of production there. She left her job there to start this. So it was she and I, and then one producer and two editors from London, starting in a temporary space, building up clients and while we were building out a new space. So we were there in this temporary space for two years, building up the business, then moved to the new space, and it just took off. And now it's, it's one of the top editing houses in in Europe, but also in the States. And the um, I worked with some amazing editors. I worked also in London. I worked in Spain. Um, I worked in New York. I worked in I worked, worked throughout the U.S. I worked in the West Coast. And it was just a really great experience. Um, and that was, so that was my, my foray into editing before I, I went back to acting. 
Holy cow. That's, that's, it's just so much. It's it's amazing. Um, We're just going to go to a quick commercial break, everyone. And we'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hey you, yeah you, are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real. Real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at GlobalTeenWealth.com. That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, everybody. We're back with Namakula. And she was just telling us a little bit about how she went through editing and acting and all of these different mediums as she kind of explored all of the things that she was passionate about. And I went through your entire bio and you have some really cool moments where there's one or two moments that really stood out, whether it was someone you met or something you read or an opportunity that you had that, that just opened your eyes and changed the trajectory that you were on? Um, yeah, there is, uh, that brings to, to mind a story, which I think was kind of the catalyst that, um, I thought, you know, now it's time to maybe transition back into uh, following the acting, um, because I'd been editing for so many years. I was on a job in LA, it was an editing job, and we were, um, and I had mentioned earlier that all along when I was, when I was uh, an assistant, I was doing these these parody commercials. I was taking the footage and recutting it, and I ended up over the years kind of creating this weird, quirky reel because of that. And in the meantime, while I was you know editing, I was doing some stand up comedy as well. So I was developing that 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 um, flexing that muscle, and then writing spec comedy scripts based on base shows that were that were on the air. So when I was on um, on this editing job in LA, I was on the same lot um, as Mad TV, 
And it was just by happenstance that that's where they'd rented the bungalow where we were editing. So I had a copy of this comedy reel. And during my lunch break, I went over to Mad TV and I dropped it off, you know, at, with the reception desk, not really knowing if anybody would ever see it. And then literally like the next day, I get a phone call from them and they said, yeah, we watched your comedy reel and um, the producers want to meet with you. We want you to come in and come in and pitch a few ideas. Uh, so cool. <laughs> it was literally like I was there as an editor, um, you know, I was in L.A., which is an industry town, but I had no meeting set up. I had no, I was there strictly um, on this job. So it wasn't like I had planned, okay, while I'm there, I'm going to try and hook, meet these people. It was just by happenstance that we were, I was on the same lot and I saw that they were there. And I, you know, so I, they said, well, come in with a few ideas. So of course I went in there at this producer's meeting. I'd never done this before. Like I'd never pitched to a network, like to a show or anything. So I went in there with like 20 ideas. And, you know, you know earlier I was talking really fast because when I get really excited about stuff, that's how I am. But I literally went in with all these ideas, pitched different characters, sketch ideas. They thought they were really funny. Um, um, and while I was there in L.A. after that meeting, I got my comedy reel also to Brillstein Gray, which is a management company, one of the big management companies over there. Mm. And um, same thing happened with them. I left it. With, I, what happened was at the end, I left it with a contact name that I'd gotten over there. But then I had to fly back to New York. So when I got back to New York, I'm out to dinner with my boyfriend at the time. and I get a phone call and it's like an L.A. number. I'm like, oh, who's this? And to the phone. And it's the guy, the one of the ma- one of the managers at Brillstein Gray calls me on the phone and he's got his partner who's at another location on the other line and they said we watched her commentate this was hysterical oh my god and they were all excited and it was one of those moments where I thought oh my god this is what I've been working towards for years like this is what I wanted you know wanted to do is to get an opportunity to you know be writing comedy and doing this so they um but there was a catch to that I really didn't want to move to LA and um part of that was a lot of my ideas and stimulation came from being in New York being around all these different people and the energy. And like I said, um, growing up, I'm used to being around people of diverse backgrounds, different ages, and I couldn't, and I don't like driving also. That's another thing. So I couldn't imagine living in LA, driving anywhere, spending 12 hours in a writer's room. Um, And I say that now, but at the moment I'm like, okay, well, let me see if I can make this work. So what was happening is I, I naively thought, well, maybe I can do this remotely. Maybe I can continue to be in New York and then they can, they can, um, I can write from here and then shoot, you know, send them scripts. So that, that that's kind of what started happening. He was shopping my spec comedy scripts to, to, you know, shows and networks and things. And then even at one point he gave me a network uh, script to do some script doctoring on, but you know, it's an industry where it's relationships. If someone wants to meet you for lunch, I, I can't, and they, you know, on a, on a Friday and it's Wednesday, I can't fly out to, you know, fly out for lunch. You know, I'm not, I don't have that kind of money, you know, so it's one of those things where you really have to be there. So, and I didn't, this is another thing that was happening also at the same time that that was going on, I'd been going back and forth to Barcelona. Um, and that goes back to a childhood thing. I had some psychic dream as a kid and I connected to Spain and I was always very into Spanish culture and watching Alma Dobar movies and had a lot of friends that spoke Spanish and then I was learning Spanish and then I'd gone there for a visit at one point and I loved it and um, I kept going back and my boyfriend at the time who was English he actually ended up he was uh, ended up moving over there so we we're doing this like long distance relationship and he had an apartment so I would go over there a lot and I had this whole other life so I was an editor living in New York, and then between projects, I would go to Spain, 
stay in my apartment. I had an acting agent that was sending me out for auditions when I was there. In addition to that, I was setting up meetings with production companies as an editor. So I would go in and I would go with my editing reel because I had, I worked on a lot of high end campaigns and I'd go in, I'd have a meet. I, I, one time I had a business meeting in Catalan. I don't speak Catalan, but I can, I totally winged it. And I just had this business meeting with this producer who was maybe going to hire me for a job. So that was the other factor where I thought if I move to LA, not only will I be in LA and in a car all the time, but I'll be really far from from Spain, at least with New York, you know, it's closer. So those were kind of some factors that came into play with that. And the same thing with Mad TV, you really have to be over there. Like I, you know, I wrote some sketches and sent it to them, but you really have to be in the mix. You can't do this remotely. It hasn't really changed that much either. I know there's more opportunities of things happening over here on the East Coast, but a lot of those shows, if they're doing it over there, you have to be physically there. You know, people, you know, it's not a thing where you can do remotely. So that kind of went to the wayside um, and my editing, what happened with that was I, after that whole experience with the writing and those things happening, that's what was a catalyst to be like, you know what, I've enjoyed this editing career, but I really want to make a go of the acting. And I, I wasn't really able to do that because of the full-time nature of being an editor. So I went freelance because I'd been staff all those years. I went freelance and, um, I had a lot of contacts still in advertising. So I would do freelance editing jobs so that I wouldn't be living on the streets while I was building my editing career. So while I was doing the freelance editing, I had <clears throat> started building, um, st- taking acting classes, um, meeting with casting people, um, and then submitting my headshot resume to get an agent. And I ended up freelancing with some of the top agencies, but I hadn't signed with anybody. And they were sending me out for things, and I continued to develop my craft and study with people and just get, you know, just keep keep my muscles flexed in that area. And then I ended up signing with one of the top commercial agencies here that was representing me for on-camera and voiceover work. I've been with them for 12 years, and they've been very good to me. So um, that part was great. And then I slowly, you know, did less and less editing because what happened was the editing market started to become very saturated because the business model changed. A lot of people were freelance. There were a lot of there were a lot more freelance editors out there and edit, you know, with Final Cut and all these other programs that you can do on your laptop. People didn't necessarily need to go to um, ed, an editorial house to do projects. So that market got very saturated. So it started to become a full time job just getting freelance work. And my focus was more on the acting and also, you know, working with other artists. So I I've done less and less of those editing jobs and more and more acting and then producing and doing that work. Um, so that's why I was saying when it feels, when it seems like I've been doing all these things at once, it's kind of one thing would bleed into the next, but because of the foundation that I built with my context in editing and advertising that I've maintained, that's still something that I have in my repertoire and my arsenal, but it's not something that I'm actively doing right now, but I still have those contacts and those contacts have informed my acting. Cause now when I go on auditions, a lot of those agency people, some of them, they they know me from when I was an editor. And, and then, you know, um, I go to an audition that recently I had a callback for something and the producer came out just to say hi to me because I had edited a job with her like 10 years before. And, and a lot of people didn't know that I'd made this transition into acting part of part, partly because I didn't want to tell people because there's a whole thing where, you know, now it's a little different, but before people were always like, well, just do one thing and don't do these different things. And now you're expected to do all these different things. So I'm glad that I didn't listen to those people that were advising me 
just to focus on one area because I was able to cultivate these other areas of interest and things that I was passionate about and things that I had talent in. So from that, um, that's what led to to um, focusing more on the acting and the writing and creating my own projects, my own work. And then from there, building the Agent 99 based on, you know, my experience of being autonomous as far as being a freelance person, selling yourself, being putting yourself in the business market, and then also being an artist at the same time and understanding both worlds and being able to help other people navigate through those worlds because it's difficult for people who are artists to do that and vice versa. Yeah, totally. And and I find it very interesting because there's so many young people that are listening to your story and stories like yours. And they, I mean, when I was growing up, I was told you, you find a career that you think you might be good at or that you like, and then you go to school, you get a degree in that, and then you do that for the rest of your life. And and I think a lot of us are so much more multifaceted than that. And and sometimes being told, no, this is this is the path you go on is what throws us off. And if we are struggling with low self-worth or mental health struggles, that pushes you so far beyond. So I love that you said that and, and you're just finding ways to incorporate all of your passions, but things that make money as well. So you're not on the streets, like you said. Um, so you don't have one career path. You have 47, but they're all on the same highway kind of idea, right? <laughs> exactly. Like I feel like they're all of my fallback careers are all artistic and they're all connected. So I've never really had... Um, like I'm a middle child and both my sisters are lawyers. I've oh. never had, yeah, I've never had a career like that where, oh, if this doesn't work, doesn't work out, I can do this because there's guaranteed, you know, income because everything that I'm passionate about that I've been pursuing, none of it is guaranteed. So it's very interesting how, um, that all came about and how it's all kind of, even, even when I first started as an apprentice editor, I was working with a client. And then when he found out that I originally studied acting, he says to me, I can't believe you're doing this, meaning if you want to be an actor, I can't believe that you are doing this editing thing. And he didn't understand it. And at the time, I didn't think about, I mean, if you were to look at it, someone logically would say, hey, that doesn't make any sense. Why are you doing this? But at the moment, it felt right to me, even though on paper it might have looked like it was a stupid choice. Like, you should be doing this. And because you put all these these um, time into it, then in 10 years your career will be here. A, you have no idea where your career is going to be and where your life's going to go. So I felt like at the moment I didn't have an answer when he said that to me, but I just felt that I was doing the right thing and I was enjoying. Like I, It wasn't like I was doing the editing thing and not enjoying it. I was enjoying myself and I felt like I was really learning and I was having these experiences. And even some of the crazy experiences I had with these um, – some of these advertising people, they are now fodder for scripts that I'm writing. So all these things are all tied in together, these life experiences and just trying new things and, you know, spending time in Spain and, you know, communicating in another language. And, you know, just, you know, I remember carrying these big, heavy, you know, digibated decks from room to room before, you know, there was all that cloud and stuff. And, you know, those experiences and staying late nights and working on a project till five in the morning. And then, you know, it just, it, there are all the time, like really magical times because you didn't know where it was, what, where, what was going to happen. But looking back on it, I'm so grateful for those experiences because, um, you know, I, I feel like I've had this really, I had this really full life experience. Like everything I'm doing um, has been something that I've been really open to, to just, Hey, I'll try that. I'm open to that. Let's see. And challenging myself. And when you do that, it makes it opens up all these doors that maybe you didn't realize and, and it creates these paths 
for where you want to go. And, and everybody's got a different path. So you can't assume that because, well, this person did this and now they're here. And if I do the same, I'll get to the same place. Everybody's got their own journey. So mm-hmm. you really have to follow your bliss, but also follow your instincts and listen to your voice, inner voice and your higher self. And also surround yourself, this is of the utmost, surround yourself with positive, kind people and supporters. And I say that in the sense that you don't necessarily need to be with people that understand why, like the why, like the guy says to me, why are you doing this and not doing the acting thing? But you need to have people that are positive about what you're doing. So maybe they might not understand why, but if they are supportive of, of, well, I don't care why, I just believe in you, I'm supportive, that's um, invaluable. Because if you have people around you that are maybe negative or doubtful, typically it's a reflection of their own doubts about themselves and their, their non-belief about their own um, abilities. But then if you're at a point where you're maybe shaky in your own belief or you need, you know somebody can poison you and then you start to doubt yourself and then you start to second guess yourself and then all the blessings that are around you, you don't, see, you don't see them because you're scared and fearful. So be mindful about who you surround yourself with and what kind of thoughts and what kind of words you use when you talk about yourself or things that you want to do. Always try to keep in a headspace, even things, this industry is, this life path is not easy and there's an ebb and flow to it. And I myself, you know, constantly keep positive things around me and people around me and listen to positive things so that when I do have those down moments or those doubtful moments, I can pick myself back up pretty quickly. Um, But if you can't, you know, get some help, talk to a friend, go to a therapist, go running, go swimming. Um, I highly recommend having a pet. I I have a really lovely cat who's um, very sweet and we have nonverbal communication and it just puts a smile on my face. And so I think that just having things in your life that that keep you joyful and keep you um, hopeful and keep you focused and driven um, are really important to do. And did you have one or two people in your life? I know you're, you said your parents weren't artists, but they still encouraged you to follow your path. Did you have anyone besides your parents that were like, hey, th- you know, you are on the right, even when you felt like you might be straying when you were younger, especially? Or, um, You know, what's funny. My mom has come around, but my mom wasn't necessarily supportive of me. My dad, ironically, he's an economics professor. He's definitely not, wasn't really an artist. But later on, I found out he was kind of a closet artist because when we'd taken a trip back to Uganda, he had forgotten that he'd taken these acting classes. And when he was a kid, he wanted to be a cowboy like John Wayne, which really meant he wanted to be an actor. But in that culture, everybody's a doctor or a teacher. And so nobody's a, a performer or, or an artist. So there wasn't really a language for why do I want to be like John Wayne, who's a cowboy? No, he wanted to be an actor. But my dad would, he would always go to my plays and my stand-up shows. He brought his colleagues from the college to come see me. Um, at one point I had organized, um, I was a co-founder of a, a screening event called Coven of the Arts in New York, where we would screen, screen films and other projects. And it would, it would, it would um, attract a large audience of people who were artists and in advertising. And they came to some of those screenings. So he, he was always very encouraging. He, I, I was in a band at one point. This is another interesting thing. Um, when I was a kid, I was very into music. Um, you know, like I said, I took guitar lessons, but I never played with anybody because none of my friends were musicians. So I kind of just played in my room alone. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I was watching MTV when MTV actually showed music videos. And there's a Clash video, Rock the Casbah. And at the end of that video, there's um, footage of them on stage. And I remember seeing that and thinking, I can see myself doing that. And but then I forgot about it. And I'm not kidding. Then like five years ago, I have I tend to have a lot of musician friends as a result of my love for music. Five years ago, some musician friends were starting a band and they said, we need a bass player. I'm like, well, they, they wanted me to play bass. I said, well, I don't 
play bass. So I actually learned how to play bass, started playing the band. That kind of fell apart. And then I was asked to play in another band, which was even better because they had never had a bass player before. So actually we started writing bass lines and then composing original music. We played gigs. Um, we had a write-up in a magazine. Uh, we were interviewed on, I mean, it was like this thing. And I remembered at that point, I remember when I was like eight or nine and I saw the clash and I envisioned myself on stage, forgot about it. And then all of a sudden this opportunity came up and I thought, why not? I'll try it. I always, you know, wanted to be in a band. Why not? And it was this amazing experience and it's really fun. And, and since then I've gotten, um, I started taking lessons to learn how the, to play the electric upright bass, which is really tough, but, um, it's just like, it, it's just something fun that I like doing. And, you know, I haven't played in a while, but I, they're here. And if I want to pick it up again, I can. And whether I'm on stage or in my living room, I still, it's an experience that can never be taken away from me. And it's a, a, a talent that I was able to develop and it's something that was fun. And I think that, yeah. That's the important thing. I was having fun. Yeah, that's I love I love earlier you said follow your bliss. And there's a couple other quotes that I've been writing down while you've been talking that I want to ask you about, but we have to go to our last commercial break and then we'll be right back with Namakul, everyone. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Hey you, yeah you, are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real, real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com you are tuned in to team wealth radio to join in the conversation send an email to brandy at globalteenwealth.com that's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Team Wealth Radio. We only have about 15 minutes left with Namakula and her life. We could literally keep her on the show for about 
seven episodes, I think, because she's just done so many incredible things. So if you want to um, learn more about her, you can follow her on all of these great links that she's provided for us, and I've put in the bio below the show. Um, but Namakul, is there um, a social media tag that people might be able to follow to kind of follow the rest of your journey? Um, yeah, I mean, they can do, I guess I've started doing hashtag and my first name, Namakula. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Namakula Moo, Agent 99 is there as well. So yeah, I, I guess the best thing to do would be hashtag Namakula and then they can find stuff there. Awesome. That's great. And then, yeah, cause I know a lot of our, our younger people aren't on Facebook and Twitter and stuff anymore like I am, but they're, <laughs> they're on Instagram and all that. So I'm always curious what, what, um, medium of social media people use. Right. Yeah. Um, and well, you know, I, I, so I kind of stole some quotes from things that you said that I want to ask you about. But first, I have seen your resume. You just did a voice commercial that had a very big name and someone that I respect in it um, as an as an actor and as a writer and things like that. Do you have any names of people that we would know that? I mean, you just went, oh, holy cow, I get to I get to work with this person. I'm this is on a whole other level. How cool is that? Like, is there anyone like that? Um, oh yeah. And it's funny. Okay. So when I was, um, uh, editing, I got to work with Barry Brown, who's Spike Lee's editor. And it was, um, for John Linguizamo had his Broadway show called freak on Broadway. And Spike Lee was filming three nights of the, of the show for HBO. So I got to work with, um, John, uh, Linguizamo, who's in, who was there for a week. And then also Spike Lee, um, who was on the project uh, towards the end. So that was a great experience. Um, you know, just I, again, it was something that that was in my, my editing life. Like I was assisting on this project. And again, if I had listened to that person saying, oh, you should just be an actor, I would have missed out on some of these great experiences working with these people on these other levels, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that was great. I worked with them on that. Uh, recently, um, I uh, just I shot a commercial, a Bank of America commercial, which was a big campaign uh, with uh, Matt Damon and Ken Burns were in the spot. Um, and I uh, was the voiceover for the REI, you know, the athletic uh, sportswear company. They had a big campaign called Force of Nature, and that won an award at Cannes this past uh, summer. Uh, they won a, uh, a Cannes a um, Bronze Glass Lion, what the Glass Lion Award is for advertising um, mm-hmm. that, with meaning, and that won um, an award there, and I was the voiceover for that spot. And recently, the show Broad City, they're in their last season um, on Comedy Central. So I was in the promo for, it's the, the spot where Alana and, um, is, having, is getting married, and um, I'm, I'm the uh, wedding officiator. At, at the, in this commercial for the for the show, um, so there's a lot of different things. Um, I I've done um, you know I've done um, uh, voiceover work for a big Smirnoff campaign. Um, I, I did a voiceover thing for a spot that Charles Stone the Third, who was known for those Budweiser what's up spots. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean I just uh, when I was you know when you asked me to do this I was you know, kind of writing down all the things I've done. And it's like, you kind of, sometimes you just forget and you just keep going, but I'm realizing, wow, I've worked with all these amazing people. Um, mm-hmm. the, ed- the One of the editors that I used to assist is a really big editor. He won two Academy Awards uh, in a row, um, one for the social network and one for um, the girl with a dragon tattoo. Um, he was one of the British edit- one of the editors that came over from London that I was working with for three years and assisting him on projects and working on great pr- stuff together. So I've had these really interesting 
experiences. I actually, I also did, I edited a short film and a behind the scenes documentary, you know, the band New Edition from the 80s. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, they had, um, this is years ago, they had done like a, they were on a reunion tour. They had a hundred hours, hours of footage. So I was the editor on the behind the scenes, um, like of them on the road. So I worked with Mike Bivens for uh, like a week and a half editing this. And at the end, they, he, invi- he invited me to their concert. So I went to the concert, took my sister, got to meet all the band and st- all the guys and stuff. And they're really nice. And, and that was something like, again, like, you know, these guys, I remember from my childhood and then I'm working with them. It was just such a surreal kind of thing, you know? So there's a lot of that happening. Um, I was on Conan O'Brien when it was in New York, so I did some sketches with them, and that was a really fun experience. Um, I know there's just a lot of great stuff. I worked with some really great people, a lot of great commercial directors. Um, I did a Dunkin' Donuts spot over the summer with a really one of the top commercial directors um, who's fantastic. And I just I think it's really interesting. Right now I'm working on a few scripts, one of which um, – I'm developed uh, one that I'm focusing on is about my years in advertising, but it's also got these other weird quirky bends to it. And um, one of the actors that I have in mind for it, I saw him in the streets recently. So, and he's on, he's on Broadway right now. So I pitched him the thing and he loved it. So he's interested. So I feel like there's a lot of great things brewing in different areas and I'm really excited about it. So mm-hmm. uh, I just really, uh, I really appreciate this opportunity to kind of share my journey because you know sometimes you feel like where is this all going you know sometimes when you have those days where you feel like things aren't happening the way you thought they would or they're not happening fast enough or you're wondering all these seeds I've planted when when am I going to start to see anything and that's the moment that you kind of sit still and just let go and that's why I encourage developing these other things when I mentioned the 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 band I was playing with that was during a time where the acting thing was really strange and um up and down and slow and and it was just it was kind of like an anxiety thing where I'm like I don't want to be focused on this thing that I feel like is not working out right now so I was I was able to funnel that need to still be creative into the music thing and that was such a rewarding experience and also it relieves some tension and some anxiety about you don't want to be sitting there waiting for and I never do this but you don't want to be sitting there waiting to hear about a callback or waiting to hear if you book something that's the worst place to be and you got to always keep your mind active and be doing other things go in present the work have fun walk out of there and forget about it don't don't dwell on it I know so many actors that have driven themselves to you know, psychosis because they're like focused on that job that they think that they need to book. And, um, you know, maybe it's not meant for you. Maybe you're supposed to be doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. I think sometimes we put this big picture of where we, we need to be in our head and then we fixate on that so much that it becomes overwhelming when we don't get to that place, but it's not that we haven't achieved it. It's just that it's not the right thing for us at the right time. Exactly. Exactly. And also you can't compare yourself to other people. So that's, that's a trap that people get involved in where they see, well, this person and I, we came up at the same time and how come they're here and I'm there. And you don't know what their lives are like. They could be dealing with a lot of, it's interesting. There's some people that um, I've known, uh, I've gotten to know, but uh, before I got to know them, you had one perception of them, this one particular woman who was very successful, but then as I got to know her, she's telling me that she's supporting her whole family, somebody's got a drinking problem, they've taken all her money, so people on the one who don't know her look at her like, wow, look, she's so busy and she's successful, but they don't realize all the hardship that she's dealing with. So I think that you really can't really compare yourself to other people, and you never know what other people are dealing with. So you really have to be compassionate, and you got to be focused on yourself and your journey and not compare yourself to other people and not, and not compete with other people. I feel like, you know, when I go to castings, one of my closest friends who's Canadian, who I mentioned to you at Brandy before, 
I met her at, at an audition. We went to an audition together, and afterwards, we started chatting. We became great friends. That was 12 years ago. And most people go in there and they think, that, well, this person's my competition. I don't want to talk to them. You know, oh, I don't want to get close to them because, you know, I just have to keep moving with work. But I think that's a mistake. I think there's strength in numbers. I think that we're all there. We all have our own path. And if it's not meant for you, maybe it's meant for somebody else. Maybe it's meant for me. But you can't walk in there and think that someone's going to take something from you. Mm-hmm. That's- you know what's really funny that you just mentioned that? I wrote down three quotes in the entire time you were telling me every all your story. And one of the three things was create together. You said that right at the very beginning. And I love that because... Like what you said just now, so many people are like, oh, I want to knock her out of the way. But I mean, coming together and collaborating is what makes projects great, right? So I love that you just brought it back to that because that was one of the three things I wanted to remind you that you said that I thought were awesome. (laughs) Very cool. Oh, that's cool. And you also said find your tribe. And, and so I guess that woman became a part of your tribe and inspired you. Do you have any, so if there's like a young person out there that's maybe they're in high school and they had 17 friends when they were in elementary and then they got to high school and now they have one or two or completely different ones and they're not really sure which direction to go I think finding your tribe means slowly what maybe just finding one right like what what do you think about that and why is that important to you uh that's I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that you know my Jamaican mother always says when I um she says you know what no company is better than bad company and I think that People, there's such an emphasis about having this posse of people around you. And I always say, you're lucky if you have one good friend. And the, and the one good friend you should have should be yourself. And then if there's another person, great. But I think that you don't need to have, all you need is one um, person in your life who's supportive. Like you don't need to have like 20 friends. And I know there's, there's emphasis on supporters and followers and all that stuff. But in the end, that person that's going to come and help you, in the middle of the night if you're hurt or pick you up from the hospital or lend you money. Like you really need to have um, a, a strong sense of yourself. Like you need to be okay with being alone. My thing is I know a lot of people and I can be very social, but I relish also my alone time. And um, you need a lot of people are uncomfortable being alone. They think it's a, an indicator of them, I don't know, being unpopular or unloved, but you really have to get comfortable with being by yourself because there'll be times that maybe you will feel like you're alone. You'll feel alone in a crowd and you just have to be comfortable with who you are and where you are. And if you have people around you, like I said, positive, supportive, um, ethical, moral, empathetic people, and you know, you need to have those energies in your life. And I think that you need to focus on building yourself and being the best person you can because then you'll attract those kind of people but you also have to be aware of people who might be attracted to you who are maybe not of good character or who are trying to get something from you and you've got to protect yourself as well so that's something that you constantly have to be aware of because I feel now more than ever there's so much emphasis on people gaining and getting over on other people and not caring and there's a the, the level of civility has dropped tremendously from you know in the from when I was a kid to now but especially in recent years where everybody's out for, it seems like they're out for themselves so you really just have to maintain your own integrity no matter what's going on around you and you will attract those people that are on the same level as you but a few things I wanted to say really quickly as far as career goes perseverance perceptiveness patience empathy and kindness those are all qualities that I think that are important to keep in mind and I always say that life is too short to be a jerk or to be around jerks so keep keep you know keep yourself positive that is so important it's and it's I mean it's hard to 
say that I'm some town sometimes because we really put up a lot of pressure on ourselves and get down on ourselves. But it, I mean, there's certain things that we can do. I, I also love that you said, follow your bliss. Um, we have about 30 seconds left before the end of the show. <laughs> but if you had one thing that was your bliss that you wanted to leave as a legacy, what would that be? Oh, God. Well, I'll tell you what my bliss is. I don't know if I'd leave it as a legacy, but ever since I was a little kid, I loved dancing in my bedroom, listening to music. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I do now. Like, I might be in my apartment, it might be two in the morning, and I'll be listening to music, dancing, and I'll just fantasize that I'm, I'm somewhere else or I'm here or whatever, but I just get lost in music. And I think that that's what's actually helped me really to stay, I, I connect with my five-year-old self. And I think that's what's helped me to really stay where I am to stay true to who I am and to keep going is to find those happiness in those little small things. Mm. And um, I think it goes back to me saying being okay with being with who you are and being on your own. And I just love dancing alone, but um, a legacy, I just want to be able to create some great, interesting work and, and, and feel like I've uplifted people and helped them as well. Um, You know, I think that's important. Yeah. I, I I love that. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of, I mean, anyone that's in this industry that's really, truly passionate about it and succeeds, I think they they love to tell stories to pass it on. It's like sitting around a campfire 500 years ago Mm -hmm. to tell the stories and to teach lessons and things like that. So it's so great that there's people like you out there that are so willing to be vulnerable and share your story and just talk about everything, the ups and the downs, because there's going to be so many. And I think sometimes people give up on on themselves or their dreams too too quickly. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. I, I wish we could have you on for seven <laughs> and then we could get more into depth because you honestly, you have such an incredible life. So uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to working with you in the future. Thanks, Brandy. Thanks for having me. And thank you everyone for listening. Awesome. And we're going to have all of the social media links, all the websites to find out about her music, her writing, her editing, her Agent 99, just all this great stuff that she's working on. So you can find it uh, on iTunes and anywhere else that you're finding a recording of this. Thank you all. I'll see you same time, same place next week. Have a good one. Thanks for being part of Teen Wealth Radio. Please join your host, Brandy England, her guests, and panel of experts again next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you here for the next show. Bye.